Golly. It's never fun to be the one that starts using like regular words after you sing a song like that together. Um, this week marks a year that we have been like very, very aware that we are living living in the middle of a global pandemic. You know, we kind of knew something was up, and I can remember um, Stuart and I joking around about the end of the world is coming, and uh, we didn't know how true that was. The end of the world that we knew happened around a year ago. And so I think it's appropriate for us as a church to mark that today as we pray together. As we pray, I want us to be lifting up the family of Les, and for Gail Diorio, and for Scott Smith, and Christine Harris, for Gail Dollarhide, for Jennifer Watkins and her family, and for all of the churches everywhere who are trying to figure out how to um, show the grace of God that we find in Jesus Christ in the midst of a pandemic. Would you pray with me? Wonder worker, in this year, when everything changed, when we felt worried and weary, when we wailed and we wondered, you gave us a promise. You promised that nothing can separate us from your love and nothing will be wasted with you at work. Light, life, love, and liberation will always win. God, our merciful maker, you love the world you made, and you want us to be whole and healthy. Yet the world you made is suffering. The world you made is struggling. People have died, and people are sick. Visit us with your mercy and make us whole. God, our loving friend, the seasons keep changing, but we remain separated from friends and neighbors. It has been a long year. We miss the comfort of warm hugs, shared meals, and friendly visits. But you sent us a comforter, the Holy Spirit. Wrap us in this comforter today. Amen. I love uh, the parables of Jesus. One of the greatest things that Jesus brought to us was the teaching that he did through parables, the telling of stories. There's something about a good story that pulls everybody who hears it into the story. And Jesus would tell these parables that may or may not have been based on something that he experienced and would use them to pull everybody who heard them then and everybody who hears them now into the story. We get a glimpse, like I was saying to Kaya and Stump the Pastor, at the imagination that God has for what the world can be 
when we listen to these parables. And I really do feel like I'm listening to Jesus as I read the parables because it, it, even the way that they're translated pulls me into the story somehow. So listen to this, uh, these words of Jesus found in the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 12, verses 13 through 34. Someone from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. I'll bet that was the little brother, I'm just saying. And Jesus said to him, Man, who appointed me as judge or referee between you and your brother? Then Jesus said to them, Watch out, guard yourself against all kinds of greed. After all, one's life isn't determined by one's possessions, even when someone is very wealthy. Then he told them a parable. A certain rich man's land produced a bountiful crop, and he said to himself, what will I do? I have no place to store my harvest. Then he thought, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. That's where I'll store all my grain and goods. I'll say to myself, you have stored up plenty of goods, enough for several years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, fool, tonight you will die. Now who will get the things you have prepared for yourself? This is the way it will be for those who hoard things for themselves and aren't rich toward God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. There is more to life than food and more to the body than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither plant nor harvest. They have no silo or barn, yet God feeds them. You are worth so much more than the birds. Among you, Who among you, by worrying, can add a single moment to your life? If you can't do such a small thing, why worry about the rest? Notice how the lilies grow. They don't wear themselves out with work, and they don't spin cloth. But I say to you that even Solomon, in all his splendor, wasn't dressed like one of these. Solomon, by the way, was one of David's sons, and we are told was the richest man to ever live. If God dresses grass in the field so beautifully, even though it's alive today and tomorrow it's thrown into the furnace, how much more will God do for you, you people of weak faith? Don't chase after what you will eat or what you will drink. Stop worrying. All the nations of the world long for these things. Your Father knows that you need them. Instead, desire His kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your Father delights in giving you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. Make yourselves wallets that won't wear out a treasure in heaven that never runs out. No thief comes near there, and no moth destroys. Where your treasure is, 
there your heart will be too. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. May God give us wisdom and courage for interpretation, and may God give us wisdom and courage to apply the truth of Scripture to our lives. Amen. Watch this uh, reflection uh, that Ethan Richards will read to us before I start my sermon. Jesus told a story about a farmer who was very successful. His land was producing more crops than even he or that he could even contain. The farmer chose to keep all his crops to himself. He thought if he stored his wealth, he wouldn't have to worry about his future or work hard for years to come. He tore down his barns, built bigger barns for his hoard of crops. But then the farmer died. Before he even had a chance to enjoy his enormous savings, he had stored up treasures on earth, but not treasures with God. Jesus goes on to say there is more to life than food and clothing. Jesus knew people often thought so much about what they would eat and what they would wear. They judged what others had or didn't have and missed out on other treasures. Jesus told the disciples to consider how the birds and flowers live. What can we possibly learn from ravens and lilies? Ravens and lilies do not worry about storing up vast amounts of food. They live for each day and do not worry about the next day. They are part of God's creation and do their parts for the ecosystem. Imagine if all the ravens stored up all the nuts. What would the chipmunks or squirrels eat? Imagine if lilies soaked up all the nutrients from the soil. How would the other plants grow? Instead, a healthy ecosystem is formed when each creature takes what it needs and leaves what it doesn't. This way, the whole system becomes a treasure. If we spend our energy on treasure that will last and trust God for our needs, does that mean it's wrong to save our resources? No, God wants us to be wise with our money, our privilege, and our property. That's being a good steward. And when... We use our privilege, money, and property for love and justice. There's less worry in the world. We know our community is fed, clothed, sheltered, and loved. Got it? All right. Let's go home, man. He preached my sermon for me. Uh, when I was a kid, I worried about a lot of things, like just kind of crazy things. And when I was a teenager, I worried about even more things, like really crazy things. And as an adult, I have not been able to break that habit. So when I read this parable and I heard, hear Jesus talking about worrying and how, like, you can just relax. You don't have to worry about everything. Like, you don't have to control everything that's happening all around you. I feel like saying, but yeah, Jesus, you don't understand. But that's the point, Right? God comes to us in the form of a person so that we can trust that God does understand. God does understand the things that worry us, the things that we're concerned about, the things that we feel like we need to control because if we don't, they're going to somehow do harm to us. God understands that we have misaligned our priorities and put them on gathering more things for ourselves. And like the reflection that Ethan was reading, there's nothing wrong with having savings. There's nothing wrong with planning toward retirement. But we also need to make sure that other people are taken care of as best as we can make sure that they're taken care of. 
I don't know that for me personally, there is a more challenging thing that Jesus says than don't worry. I worry about everything. I don't really prefer New Year's Day because it makes me think about how I don't know what's coming in the next 12 months. What if, what if my daughter is driving down the road who's still a new driver and gets hit by some idiot who thinks it's appropriate to drive 90 miles an hour down Main Street or Highway 70? I want to control the places that she drives and how she drives there. What if somebody I dearly love gets diagnosed with cancer? I just worry about all of these things. What if something happens, and I've had this thought literally, like, what if the church burned down? What would we do? I, I, I remember I used to always like remind the kids, like, stump the pastor of the rules, and one of them is no fake spiders and no real spiders. I worry about, this is a true story, When I was a youth pastor, I had our youth group up at Sacramento Church Camp, and I laid down in bed one night. It was pretty late. The camp had been wild and crazy, and I laid down in bed to go to sleep up there, Mike, and and I started thinking, I wonder when the last time they cleaned this room is. Dirty rooms have a lot of spiders. What if a spider climbs into my mouth and bites the inside of my mouth? They say you swallow a bunch of spiders every year while you're sleeping. What if it's a brown recluse and my skin starts rotting from the inside? And then I realized, this is crazy. Like, you can't do this to yourself. But I was so concerned about it, I couldn't get back to sleep. So at like 1 in the morning, I went for a walk around Sacramento Methodist Assembly so that I could just get myself to calm down enough to go back to sleep and not afraid a spider was going to bite me on the inside of the mouth. We worry about so many things as human beings. And that's the thing about this parable is it pulls us all in. We all have financial concerns. We all worry about our family and friends and their health and their well-being. And we worry about our society and we worry about global things that we have no control over. And then we start to, if we get into the worst places, we start to strive And we strive to be seen as successful, and we strive to be successful, and we strive to let people know that we're important, and that we know what we're talking about, and that we know how we're doing, and we strive to like have everything all put together, and we miss the point of life. Imagine what a life could be like if we do what Jesus says and seek the kingdom of God and trust God. In the world of Methodism, we talk about grace three different ways. We talk about prevenient grace, which is the grace before we ever really know God. It's the the grace of God kind of wooing us to God. So um, when I was a junior in high school, I was walking down the sidewalk at our high school one day. It was Carlsbad High School has five or six buildings spread out over, I don't know, a large area. It's like a small college campus. And I was walking from one building to the other, and I saw this girl with blonde, curly hair and green eyes, and I liked the way she looked, and I got really interested in who she was, 
And I started trying to figure out how to put myself in position so that she could see me. And one day, um, I ditched the girlfriend that I had at the time. She had a choir concert, and I went to her choir concert and decided I didn't want to ride home with her. So I told her I had a ride home with somebody else, and I had no ride at all. And I found um, a lady that I'd known from the time I was a kid, and I said, Hey, Bonnie, can you give me a ride home? And she's like, Yeah, but I only have one seat left, and my van's going to be full of girls. I hope that's okay. And I was like, Yeah, that's okay. And as I climb into the van, the only seat open was the back seat of the van, and that girl with curly blonde hair and green eyes that I'd been dying to figure out a way to talk to was sitting there. And I had no game. Like, I didn't know how to talk to girls. And I sit down next to her, and she had picked up off of the floor a balloon that was full of flour. And she's, like, squeezing it, and she's like, feel this. That feels weird. And I was like, opening, opening. I can say something. I go, yup, and handed it back. (laughs) Turns out, a few months later, uh, I was at a basketball game and saw this curly-haired girl sitting next to a friend of mine, a, a girl I was friends with. And I said, hey, Alicia, who's that girl you're sitting by? And she goes, oh, that's Michelle Edwards. You want me to introduce you? And I was like, yeah, that'd be good. And so from that moment on, I started doing everything I could, literally until this morning, to get that girl, Michelle Edwards, to like me even more. God is wooing us to him. God is putting God's self in position all the time to let you know, I'm with you. That's prevenient grace. And then, as Methodists, we talk about this idea of justifying grace, where like we understand that God's love is so big for us that we are deeply and truly forgiven of our sins that we have committed, we are committing, and we will commit to the point that where God will have us be with God for the rest of eternity. And when we have that understanding, we have experienced what we call justifying grace. We have been justified through our faith. And then the other way we talk about it is we talk about, do you know what's coming next, Mike? Sanctifying grace. Where our best efforts are not good enough, but God takes our best efforts and makes them perfect. And so while we sit around worrying about things that maybe shouldn't be important to us, God is wooing us to recognize your priorities are misaligned. And when we recognize our priorities are misaligned, they are realigned, And then we have this opportunity to experience the grace of God of taking our best efforts and perfecting them so we don't have to strive. We can just be. And if I can ever get myself to that place where I'm no longer striving and I can just breathe deeply the grace of God and just be... I think I will have experienced the fullness of the kingdom. Because what I find myself doing is striving to stop striving. And my friends, I hope 
that we together, through the remainder of Lent, can find a way to just take a deep breath and trust God. We don't have to line everything up and have everything perfect. We just have to put ourselves forward and trust that God will take our best efforts and use them for the kingdom and we can stop striving. We can just start being. And how free will we be then? Because there's no demand of God other than to just trust. So may this week be a week where you find at least moments where you're no longer striving, where you are just being. May this week be a week where you experience the grace of God as you just sit and breathe in the relationships and the beauty of the place that you live. And may you know that no matter what you do, you are deeply, deeply loved. In the name of our Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. Amen.